I'm Nick Newton, joined by Will Miles. Welcome to Stand Up and Holler on this week's episode, another edition for the class of 2024. Corey Raymond offers his thoughts on two freshman defensive backs. Florida hosted its pro day and we'll take a look at the best fits for Anthony Richardson in the NFL. And Osiris Torrance gets his name on a brick. We'll look at that for a dollar. Will, how's it going, man? It's going well, man. I just got a message that we hit 350,000 views on Stand Up and Holler at this point. So that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, thank you to everybody out there who's been consuming awesome. this and certainly, you know, like and subscribe if you get an opportunity because that helps us out. But uh, thank you to all the fans out there who've uh, who've paid attention. And, you know, you've, you've, you've done the yeoman's work here, Nick, getting this up on, uh, you know, uh, getting this up on iTunes and Spotify and those sorts of things. So check out your favorite podcast app if uh if you don't want to consume it on youtube you can catch it over there yeah good plug we finally have it available on multiple platforms uh spotify apple soundcloud and uh of course here on youtube uh we're also up on rumble want to throw that out there for anyone who's using rumble these days but just want to throw out there be sure to subscribe and and uh get the podcast in your feed Thank you, like Will said, for all the support. We definitely appreciate it and do not take it for granted. Let's jump into two bits here. Josiah Davis commits safety, six foot one, 185 pounds out of Nashville, Georgia. It's in South Georgia, not too, not too far, kind of towards central, but more south. Nashville, Georgia, three-star prospect according to 24-7 from Andrew Ivins, the scout on 24 Southeast Scout on 24-7. He rushed for 104, 104 times for 895 yards and 12 touchdowns. Also threw a TD pass and caught two touchdowns as well. Defensively tallied 70 tackles and in an interception, which was returned for six points. Also made a huge impact on special teams, taking seven kickoffs to the house while averaging 51 yards of return. Will, I watched some film on this guy on his huddle account, and he is Physical, 6'1", 185. I would like to see him in a few years from now. The, the physicality that this guy plays with, there's a chance that he can bulk up and be a speedy linebacker if he puts on 25, 30 pounds. That's the type of physicality he, he's coming at it with. I mean, it's his kickoff returns. They mentioned the seven kickoffs to the house. It, he's just shedding people. He's not a particularly elusive runner, but he'll just – he's the guy on a video game you use the hit stick, you power through a tackle, and you just take it straight down to the down the sideline. He's a straight line runner that's not really looking to avoid the contact. And uh, really enjoyed watching his tape. Be sure to give it a look on the huddle account if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, well, obviously the special teams part of it gets me excited because. Uh... You know, Florida special teams have been awful the last couple of years. And also because that's one of the places where I think you can turn the game, even if you're a less talented team, right? If you can, if you can turn the, if you can tilt the table in your favor by seven points or 14 points on special teams, now all of a sudden you got a chance to pull an upset where maybe you couldn't before. Napier's certainly going after these guys who are sort of multi-sport guys, guys who can make differences on special teams, even through the transfer portal, right? Manny Nunnery is a guy who is, you know, I think the special teams player of the year, um, they're at Houston for a while, clearly a place where they're prioritizing things. I think it's really interesting track the, the Davis is a track guy ran 11.43 and 11.21 in the hundred meter dash that translates to like a four five or four, six 40 yard dash somewhere in that yeah. range. So he's fast. Right. And and you think about the, the 40 yard times that we saw in the combine from the safeties that Florida had, they were in the four, seven, four, seven, eight or four, seven, four, eight range for Rashad Torrance and for Trey Dean, this kid comes in and immediately is going to have speed. 
makeup speed that those guys don't have. And if you're, you know, look, I think everybody looks at it and says, ah, three-star. You have to build your recruiting classes with guys who fit this sort of profile. You just need the elite talent too. And so Florida's getting that in 2024, and Davis is a really solid addition. He is not, uh, you know, he's 481st overall. People have heard, probably heard me say this a lot. Guys ranked between about 100 to 150 and 600 typically have about the same the same ratio of panning out to be NFL stars. And so Davis fits right within that landscape. And like you mentioned, South Georgia, we always talk about Billy Napier's got to draw a circle around Gainesville and bring guys in from that area who he thinks have a chance to be elite. And Davis fits that profile. So a good pickup for Florida. Obviously the team has decided and has, has put a major emphasis on the secondary. You think about where they sit right now, where their two starters, the two experienced guys they've got are true sophomores. And so there's going to be a lot of playing time at defensive back for the guys who are coming in this year, but also the guys who are coming in next year as well. And so Davis is going to get an opportunity to play and play early. Class of 2024, another guy growing here, man. Looks It looks like it's going to be pretty good. Corey Raymond in four bits here offers a scouting report on a couple of freshman defensive backs. Well, two of the defensive backs that he said has stood out so far. And uh, the quotes were pulled from Zach Goodell of Sports Illustrated, all Gators. Uh, They do great work each week. Be sure to check them out. On Jakeem Jackson, Raymond said, he's coming along really good. He's going to be real good. He has a chance to be special. We just got to keep him going, keep him understanding what we want, the details of playing the position. This is a guy, Will, you talked about what gonna be we're gonna be relying on maybe some young guys in the secondary this year. I think this is a guy who has a chance to see the field in year one. Yeah, I mean, look, you're the one who's more qualified to talk about him than I am. You went and saw him live and sent me video and and I was like, wow, is that as impressive? like live as it is that you're sending it my way. There was a catch he made in traffic where he was playing receiver or I was like, that guy's a corner. <laughs> like so, and mm-hmm. at the time I think he was rated like the hundredth ranked player overall. And by the time the, by the time the season ended, he had risen up to like 40 or 45 and I think deservedly so. So um, yeah, I mean, look, Florida has Jadarius Perkins in the column at senior in quarterback and safety. They got Jadon Hill. They've got um, Marshall and Kimber in the junior category and then everything else is sophomores and redshirt freshmen and freshmen. And so, you know, these guys at the young spots, guys like Jakeem Jackson are going to have to fill those spots. You get one, one or two injuries and all of a sudden those guys are going to have to be in there. And quite honestly, I think based on what we saw in the secondary last year, granted some of these younger guys maybe weren't ready to step in, but nothing's guaranteed. It's not like anybody on that defense played well enough that if you had a freshman who came in and showed out that they wouldn't get a spot. And, you know, Devin Moore is a guy who really showed out last year early on, got a lot of early playing time and then went out injured. You know, if Moore is still injured, if he's, if, if, you know, if that injury hasn't necessarily healed, then one of these freshmen may step into that spot. And look, you're going to need backup cornerbacks. At some point, those guys get tired. You got to rotate them in. Um, some offenses are going to necessitate that you play a nickel or a dime defense. And so having as much depth back there these days, especially, is is critical for, for what defenses are trying to do. Just added the video on Jackson from the, it was from the Lakeland playoff game. It's on our YouTube channel if anybody wants to check out that video there was one hit in particular where he read a little swing pass to the running back got by the blocker and just just lit him up so solid talent 
absolutely looking forward to him. I think he has a chance. Again, we're not looking for these guys to be necessarily starters right away, but just somewhat contributing in your freshman year is uh, is something to be uh, that that would be very good for this football team. No, Sharif, I, I, th- I think that's a good go point ahead. from the standpoint of you think about Joe Hayden back in 2007. Right. He he wasn't necessarily a star in 2007, but he starts as a true freshman. And then by the time you get to 2008, you've got a guy who's seasoned there. Obviously, Janoris Jenkins comes in 2008, and now you've got a really nice corner combination. So you think about this team with Jason Marshall. That's the guy who needs to be the lockdown corner. You got Jadon Hill moving inside the star. And then you talk about, all right, who's the other guy on the other side? Is it Jalen Kember? Is it, you know, is it Devin Moore or or is it somebody like Jakeem Jackson or Dijon Johnson who's going to be able to step into that role? And look, they're not necessarily going to be perfect, but if Hill or I'm sorry, if uh, Marshall is locking down one side, you're going to get an awful lot of reps. And so then it's a question of, you know, what do you do with those reps? And are you able to at least hold your own? I, again, I don't necessarily think that the Florida defense can be a top 10 defense this year. I think we just want to see them not be absolutely futile. And, and these guys should be able to help achieve that. Dijon Johnson out uh Tampa Wharton will be enrolling over the summer, by the way. So he's not on campus just yet. Uh another corner that is making an impression here in the spring, Sharif Denson, who is playing star as well. Uh, Raymond said, Sharif's going to be a really good player. It's a hard spot, but he's doing better. He's going to be good. Like I tell him, you can't rush it, man. Just keep working. Raymond also added, I think he's sharp. You tell him one thing one time and he gets it. He plays with some savviness to him. He plays with a little grit. So, well, this corner here out of Bartram Trail High School up in Jacksonville played boundary for most of his high school career, moving to that star position as a freshman. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to have some time to develop because you think Jadon Hill is going to be there at the star. Jadarius Perkins is probably there as the backup at the star, which means he's probably looking at, th- at third on the depth chart. Now, that doesn't mean that Denson won't get in there, right? Because, one, you're going to want to go to third on the depth chart at some point along the way just to get him experience and get him in there. I wouldn't expect to see him in there significantly against Utah but I would expect to see him the next week against McNeese state. He's going to get some of that sort of um, that sort of time. This is one of those where if you have an injury, then you can see him getting an awful lot of playing time. If you don't have an injury, he's probably, I would guess four games and then you redshirt so that you can maintain his eligibility. Um, You know, that rule really makes a difference for some of the things you would do with guys who are like third on the depth chart where you bring them in when you really think you need someone. If you have an injury, those guys are ready to go, but, you know, you're not necessarily forcing them into lineup just to get them into lineup. That's kind of, I think, when you read between the lines where Denson would be because you've got Perkins and Hill in front of him. Any other young players that you think have a good chance to contribute in year one? I mean, I, on, I think on the defensive backfield. We'll keep I mean, I think Castell and Thornton are the two you look at because Miguel Mitchell and Kamari Wilson are so young, right? Those guys um, got playing time last year. But again, I look at it and I say, Florida's defense was so bad in so many areas and the defensive backs were not great. Now, a lot of that was Rashad Torrance and Trevez Johnson and Trey Dean. And you can't necessarily blame that on Kamari Wilson and Miguel Mitchell, but Wilson and Mitchell weren't winning the job 
during week to week to be able to get in there and get significant playing time away from those guys. Or when they did, at least the defense wasn't getting that much better. Now, look, I think some of that is because of the linebacker play. I think some of that is because of the defensive defensive line play, but some of that is because of their play. And so, you know, I, I look at it and I say, if those two guys are the starters and either one of them struggles, then you can envision a scenario where one of the safeties, you know, whether it be Castell or Bryce Thornton step in to really take snaps away. Certainly, those guys are going to have an opportunity to be backups. And as opposed to where they might've been the third guy in the lineup or, or where I was saying that Denson might be the third guy in the lineup, the, these guys are going to be second. These guys are going to be backups. And that's one of the things that Napier has absolutely done. If you look at the defensive backfield specifically, but the team overall, it is weighted enormously to the freshmen who are coming in and then the redshirt freshmen and then the sophomores. And that's just a decision they've made. It's a decision that's different than what Dan Mullen did. Dan Mullen decided to ride with, with uh, Jim McElwain's recruits for a really long time. And when those guys turned over after 2020, things sort of went downhill pretty quickly. Um, you know, I, I anticipate that they're sort of building to not have that third year dip with getting a lot of these freshmen in there. And yeah, I think because they're backups, they're going to get a lot of play. Should get plenty of opportunity to see these guys on Thursday, April 13th in the Orange and Blue game. Let's move on to six bits. Best fits for Anthony Richardson here. Had the pro day at on campus in Gainesville this week on Thursday. A lot of good tape off of Richardson from that pro day. People arguing about it on Twitter, though. It's going back and forth already. But I, I don't want to get it. We've talked a lot about Richardson as a prospect, but um, I, let's focus this segment on where he's going to land and what fits we see for him in the draft. So the number one pick of the draft, Carolina Panthers, you have to start there. They obviously went up to number one for a quarterback, and there are rumblings that Richardson is absolutely in that mix. Didn't realize that Andy Dalton had signed there, Will. I was doing my homework for the episode here. I was like, oh, Andy Dalton signed Carolina? Didn't know that. So they have a guy that can definitely hold down the fort for a minute and let Richardson get – his bearings a little bit and, and maybe learn from Dalton. Dalton's a savvy longtime NFL quarterback, you know, squeezing another year or two out on the, on his career here, but there won't be the pressure for Richardson to be the day one starter in Carolina now. So I do think that's a positive. Uh, another interesting piece here. Three of the top six teams have two first round picks. The Texans have two and 12 from the Watson deal. The Seahawks have five and 20 from the Wilson deal and the Lions have 6-18 and 18 from the Stafford deal. So you might have more of an appetite for risk with two first-round picks if you're not having to spend your only first-round pick on a guy that you're not totally sure about is a little bit of a gamble. So the Texans, Seahawks, and Lions, got to think those three teams have more of an appetite for risk. Overall, Will, I hate the idea of him landing with a team that's going to just throw him out there immediately. So you talk about the Texans, the Colts. The Raiders come to mind. I feel like those teams would pressure him to get on the field, and those teams are all drafted in the top seven. Don't love the fit in any of those situations for him. Um, three best fits overall, Will. Minnesota behind Cousins. I They're drafting all the way down. I believe, what are they, at 23? They're at 23. And Seattle and Detroit. I'm going to go with those three as my three best fits for Richardson. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I would have been I, I go a little bit different in that I want him to land in a place where there's I'm fine if there's somebody in front of him, but I want him to land with a guy who's offensive minded, right? That yeah. if if you look at like the Texans where you've got D'Amico Ryans or or the Colts where they have oh well, Steichen was the offensive coordinator at uh, at Philly, which is actually a place where I think 
look, a guy who's been coaching with Jalen Hurts might really be able to do something with you. The Seahawks, I think, are a perfect place for him, and I even wrote that a couple of weeks ago, um, where I think that makes a ton of sense because of the fact that they have two picks, because this is a pick they get from Denver in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes, because they're pretty comfortable with Geno Smith at quarterback, you end up in a place where you have an opportunity to really take a shot, and and if that shot goes well, then, hey, Geno Smith, we <laughs> thanks for being here. We cast you aside because we give Richardson the keys. And if it turns out that he's not great, well, okay, it was you took the shot, but it doesn't kill your franchise because you still have another second round pick. The other place I look is the Raiders at seven. They got Garoppolo there at quarterback. They got uh, McDaniel's as the head coach. That's a really interesting place for him to fall. I really don't want him to go to the Bears because the Bears just are a place that quarterbacks go to die. <laughs> the Falcons, sort of the same. They thing. got Justin Fields too. Yeah, I got a buddy who's an Eagles fan at ten. He was asking me. Well, I saw in a mock that the Eagles took him at 10. I'm like, what's he going to do? Be like wow. the Tim Tebow to Jalen Hurts, like come in on yeah. fourth down for four, for those fourth down runs. I'll just bring in Richardson. But, um, you know, look, I think everybody understands that you might put him behind somebody. I actually wonder, like a team like the Packers at 15, do they just decide, look, we've seen Jordan Love for a few years if love was, and I know they sort of had a complex relationship with love because of the way they drafted him and Aaron Rodgers being there. But if, if you really want to push love and you say, we got to make a choice because pretty soon they're going to have to pay him. Right. Do you bring in a cheap guy behind him and say, look, you, he'll have a year because we want love to prove himself. But if love doesn't prove himself, we'll let him walk. And then Richardson takes the keys. That'd be a really interesting thing. I would feel sorry for him because he has to play in Green Bay. That's not exactly uh, the the nicest place to play if you're a guy who grew up in Florida. <laughs> but, but that's a place where I think he might land as well. Yeah, all good. All good options there. I think I think that overall. He seems to be a lock for. Would you be surprised if he gets out of the top five or six? Well, yeah, I, conversation. I think he's Carolina, Indianapolis, or Seattle, and I think Seattle is a is probably a reach just yeah. because they're. I, I don't know. Like, I think they should take a quarterback, but I think they're comfortable enough with Geno Smith. They're gonna they're gonna probably take the best guy available at that point. I think it does help Richardson that Jalen Carter has been dropping because of some of the legal troubles that are going on there. Um, but, you know, if he gets past the Colts, that means the Panthers decided not to take him. The Texans decided not to take him. The Colts decided not to take him. Um, you know, who else is left when you, I mean, essentially those guys are betting on, on uh, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or, or Will Levis in order to, to not take Richardson. I, I don't think Richardson's done anything to hurt his stock. If anything, he's done things to enhance it as opposed to guys like Levis. We've sort of, you know, that there've been rumors that, he, that he's dropping pretty significantly, um, you know, Stroud and, and Young, they are who they are, but they don't have the star potential. And I look at it. If, if I'm a Colts fan, who do I want my team to draft? Like I get excited about Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young. I go, eh, CJ Stroud. I'm really kind of like, eh, especially because Indianapolis is sort of a weird hybrid of people from Chicago and then like a disdain for people from Ohio. And so, so you bring in a guy like Stroud from Ohio State. There's a little bit of side eye anyway for, for bringing a guy like that in. So I, I'd be surprised if he gets past the top five. If he falls to Detroit, certainly I think Detroit would want him. Um, the question is, is that a good fit? And, and uh, you know, again, you got a defensive coach there, and that team sort of turned things around towards the end of the year. They're kind of in win-now mode, and I'm not sure that you're, they're necessarily going to want to take the step back for a guy like Richardson. Any other interesting demographic uh, tidbits about Indianapolis, Well, 
Well, that's where I grew up. That's where I was born. So I know plenty of stuff about Indianapolis. It's a uh, it's a it's a weird place right between Ohio and and uh, and Illinois, and that that entire area just changes very very significantly as you go left to right. And I, uh, I've been to the stadium a few times. That's actually a great setup downtown on a game day. Yeah, Not well, bad. <laughs> I agree. The town's awesome. It's yeah. just it's it's a very like most cities are um, like you go to Philadelphia or you go to Chicago or you go to New York. There's a very there's a very similar vibe. Indianapolis is very different. Indianapolis is very different. I I do like the Lions a lot too for Richardson just because with golf there I don't think they rushing them on the field at all. And I I like uh, I know Dan Campbell is not that offensive minded coach per se, but the, the lines, they opened it up a little bit last year. They opened it up a little bit last year, and that could be a place. They seem to be going in the right direction overall. It feels very weird to talk about the lines in this context, but I think that he actually could develop there. I think that would not be the worst spot for him to land. Just Detroit. please, God, don't go to the Patriots. If he goes to the Patriots, he'll turn <laughs> into a freaking star, and I'll be happy for him, but God, I hate the Patriots. Can we just not, not have that happen, please? <laughs> well, We'll see if they can trade up into the top. Five. You got to think Arizona might be looking to get out of there too. If people are quarterback hungry, right? They, they're uh, stuck with that Kyler contract. Nobody want. They're, they're not going to be able to unload Kyler, are they? I don't know. It's really even possible. No, but considering they had to put like a allegedly had to put something in his contract to like stipulate how much time he was going to spend watching film. I think uh, you know maybe you might want someone to push him a little bit. Maybe new staff out there in Arizona. All right, let's go on here to a dollar. Osiris Torrance, All-American Brick, unveiled on Wednesday outside of the swamp. Well, Torrance was a, a huge addition in Billy Napier's first recruiting class as a transfer over from Louisiana. What impact do you think him being an All-American his only season in Kingsville will have on the program going forward? I think we've already seen it with Michael, with Michael Mazuka transferring in. Obviously, there's been a little bit of drama around that recently, but Mazuka was probably the top guard prospect in the transfer portal, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he chose Florida. He looked at it and said, look what they did for Osiris Torrance. The guy's got an All-American brick. He's going to be a first-round draft pick as a guard. Most guards don't go in the first round. you got to be a special guard or a special center to go. Even, even in the top 20, you got to be really, really special. Torrance might actually be able to creep up there. Yeah, I'm guessing he's probably going to go somewhere in the 20 to 29 range, somewhere in that. But, but still, I mean, you look at it and go, guards don't typically get paid. Guards aren't typically first-round draft picks. Osiris Torrance is going to do that. Now, look, he was excellent at Louisiana, too. In fact, at Pro Day, he wore one Louisiana cleat and one Florida cleat because Solid he wanted to sort cool. of rep both schools. And while that's cool, it does sort of it does sort of indicate that he was not he was a finished product when he came to Florida in many ways. And all he had to do was prove what he could do against SEC competition. And that's the sales pitch. If I'm if I'm Florida, is look if you're not fully developed, we will develop you because we know what the end is supposed to look like. And if you're a fully developed product, you get to come and prove yourself against SEC competition. And when you prove yourself against SEC competition, you're going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. That's that's 
that's the selling point. I mean, honestly, like it's the same reason every SEC team is in the top 25 of the recruiting, except for Vanderbilt, because you essentially get to sell that, right? Like if you go and play well as a guard at Old Miss, they're going to find you. If you go play well as a guard at Mississippi State, they're going to find you. Now, I think Florida has a little bit higher profile than both of those programs, not just because of who Florida is, but also because Napier has a reputation and has the two offensive line coaches and has emphasized that. And you know, he's going to emphasize the running game. And so, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things to sell there when it comes to offensive line. I think we've already seen it, like I said, with Mazuka, but not just with Mazuka, right? With George at tackle, with uh, um, Keontae Goodwin at, at, at tackle as well. Like they have brought in guys through the transfer portal on the offensive line who we look at and say these guys are, are, are potentially very, very good players. But I think it also speaks to how difficult it's going to be to replace Osiris Torrance, which is something that this also really pointed out to me that. You know, you don't notice a guard's almost like an umpire, like in baseball. Like you notice when the umpire's terrible, or you notice when an official's throwing flags all over the place. When the official's not throwing flags, or when the umpire is doing the right thing during a game, you just don't notice because you shouldn't. Um, and a guard is very much that way, right? So the fact that you weren't getting any sacks, the fact that all the stunts were picked up correctly, the fact that the line was always going in the right direction, the fact that you didn't have guys getting blown up in the backfield all the time, like those sorts of things, you you a three yard run sometimes you don't necessarily notice as that was an excellent play by Osiris Torrance. I think next year we're going to notice that a little bit that there there is going to be a drop off in play at the guard position because it's rare that you get a guy who's a unanimous you know, first team all American at that position. And so you know replacing him is not just as simple as throwing Mazuka in there. I think Mazuka is a good good um, he's a good player and having him in there will help. But I think one of the things that this points out is that we probably shouldn't take that for granted. And if there are some struggles there at the right guard position, especially early on in the year, we probably shouldn't be surprised. Well, especially since Napier did indicate that Mazuka is injured and will be out to, till fall camp. Thanks to, I think he just went underwent a procedure this week. Just have to be ready for Utah, man. Like continuity is important on the offensive line, but just like everything, ability is more important. And, you know, look, I, I think uh, Mazuka has enough starts under his belt that he will be. And we sort of talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The anticipation is he was a plug and play type of person or plug and play type of player. And so that that's going to be the anticipation. And look, what it means is a lot of those guys at guard are going to get a lot of reps in the spring. They wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And the question will be how quickly can you get Mazuka up to speed? And that really is the job of those two offensive line coaches, right? They need to keep him engaged while he's out and injured. So that when he comes back from a playbook perspective, he is fully prepared to be able to then put the physical parts together. Now, look, sometimes those injuries linger. And, and so it's entirely possible. I think I think what I was hearing was like a labrum. Um, you know, if that's the issue, well, those are things that could be re-injured. Those are things that maybe don't heal quite as quickly. And, and then they do need to get these guys in there and get them reps. And some of the younger guys are going to have to step up. But that's sort of the way it is all the time. It was one of the things we said last year, especially, um, you know, especially early on was would Florida be able to sustain an injury on the offensive line and survive? They did it right tackle, but they were overall pretty healthy. When you thought about Eguacan, Torrance, White and Garage, those four guys were in there pretty much the entire year. And then Austin Barber obviously steps up at right tackle when Tarquin went down. Um, you're not probably not going to be able to get away with six offensive linemen this year. So those guys are going to be ready anyway. And so. I don't know. I'm not sure whether it's six and one half a dozen the other where, you know, you'd love to have Mazuka there, but 
you know, the fact that you don't, does that give other guys reps that mean you're more prepared if he happens to go down again, or is the continuity more important and having him out is, 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 is an issue and you're just not going to be able to get that same level of continuity. I don't know, but I, I think regardless of that, Osiris Torrance is a special talent. There's a reason he's going to be going in the first round of the NFL draft. There's a reason he has a brick outside of the stadium now. And so there's going to be a drop in terms of the play at guard position. The question is going to be, can they make it Can they make up for it at other positions? Can the running backs make up for it now that they're a little bit older in the system? Can just the general system being the second year, all that stuff, make up for maybe some of the shortcomings they had last year? And then can the quarterback be consistent enough that maybe it opens up the running game and helps out the offensive line as well? All those things are going to have to work in concert. And, and Osiris Torrance was a big part of why the team was successful and and very, very deserving of that brick. How much confidence does the fact that they identified Torrance at Louisiana, developed him mostly at Louisiana, brought him over, and then he he lives up to the hype, earns that All-American season this year. How much confidence does that give you in this coaching staff working with these young guys coming in? I mean, it gives me more than I would if he'd been a flop, obviously, but I, I think in some ways um, you – I don't know whether they would have taken Osiris Torrance at Florida had they been at Florida at the time, right? And that's the question is, would they have identified him and said, we want to bring this guy in, he's going to be outstanding, even though – because they have limitations at at Louisiana, right? And so he sort of fit right in the wheelhouse of the type of guy you would bring into Louisiana – we're going to see. They've got new guys who are coming in, especially from last year's recruiting class at the guard position, but you know, and this year as well. But you've got Kearney, you've got Williams, and then you've got Farmer, who are who are either freshmen or redshirt freshmen. None of those guys have like can't miss, um, can't miss potential. Even Najee Harris, who was in like I think 150 somewhere in that ranking, isn't a can't miss prospect. So what we're going to see with these guys that they brought in are going to be. What happens when you bring in a guy who's not necessarily a can't miss? Are you able to develop them? Now, look, you've got four or five guys to choose from, and you only need two guards. And so the question will be, can they have that sort of hit rate where, you know, you end up with two out of five turning into solid, solid players? Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't take a lot out of one guy turning into a star. What I will take a lot out of is seeing what happens with the guys that they bring in. This is one of the things with Mullen. I actually feel like, um, especially early on, guys with lower talent profiles turned out um, to be better players than maybe we thought of. I mean, Trask is the example you really think of, but Kadarius Tony developed significantly. There were some guys on the offensive line who developed significantly in his time there. And so, you know, and even at Mississippi State, there were more guys drafted than you would expect based on the recruiting profile. Mm-hmm. Um that's what I'm looking for, right? So Osiris Torrance is one data point, but I think that sort of takes away from the fact that Osiris Torrance is also an outlier, right? The guys in that typical um, space in the recruiting rankings don't often turn into first round draft picks. So when a guy does, you have to say, yeah, people missed on him. Yeah, the organization did a good job of developing, but in many ways, that's a tip of your cap to Osiris Torrance. And, you know, that may actually be where the evaluation takes place is Torrance seems like from all stories that are out there, just uh, put his head down, work his tail off. He is going to get better every day he's out there because he's taking every rep seriously. And so in some ways that maybe puts you on the, uh, where I say something about the evaluation, where if they have four or five guys like that, then you're more likely to get one or two of those guys to really pan out and maybe be solid starters or even all SEC type players to guard position.
Yeah, it gives you a lot of hope for because you look at a lot of the guys we brought in, similar type profiles. I mean, definitely higher profile than Tor- Torrance out of high school, three star prospect, the 64th ranked prospect in Louisiana, develops into an All American that year. So that, I think that's that's a great story and and certainly something to point to for this coaching staff. So big, big thing to point to for to future recruits. So great story. Glad he's got the brick outside the swamp. It ended up being a, a good transfer story as well. So good to sell the transfers as well, not just high school recruits. Well, that's it for this week. Any final thoughts before we head out? Ah, oh, man, it's just it's spring. It's nice. The football's back. Enjoy it, right? Like I say this every year when the season starts, but we only get 12 games, sometimes 13. Um, same thing with the spring. This is an awesome time to take your family out to the swamp. I know it's on a Thursday night, so sometimes that makes it a little bit difficult. But, uh, um, you know, if nothing else, we'll we'll be back on Friday with analysis afterwards or Thursday night with analysis afterwards. And, uh, you know, it's fun, right? It's fun. This is one of the things where college football, because of the turnovers every four years, you you always have hope. And, and so, you know, the spring is hope springs eternal just in general in the spring, but for college football, it's just like that as well. So enjoy the time with your family, enjoy watching the game and uh, yeah, let's, let's see some of these young guys eat in the, in the spring game. Got any final four picks this weekend? No, I don't care. You want to see it, Sunshine State battle in the finals? FAA it, it, Miami? It, it. UConn's going to win, man. I think it's pretty clear that UConn's the best team, at least so far. Obviously, you go you go cold from three, and and anything can happen. But uh, Connecticut has been the best team in the tournament so far. I expect them to win. I wouldn't mind seeing FAU get it done. I wouldn't mind seeing it. Well, as long as it ain't, as long as it ain't Miami, because I'm not sure I can go on Twitter if Miami wins the title. <laughs> Basketball school. Basketball school, man. <laughs> well, <All right. laughs> somebody told me the other day that that they made it to the to the final four, which just means that Cristobal is not their head coach, because <laughs> <laughs> you don't win that much with Cristobal as your head coach. <laughs> like four in a row, you don't get that that many wins with Cristobal as your head coach. Yeah, they might be more fired up about the spring game than the final four. We'll see. We'll see how that attendance looks this weekend. All right, have a great weekend, everybody. Go Gators. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Stand Up and Holler. If you're interested in more information from me and Nick, you can go over to readandreaction.com. You can like and subscribe our YouTube channel here at Read and Reaction, or you can go to patreon.com slash readandreaction to support us, get extra information, and we do ask anythings over there every once in a while as well. So check us out. Thanks for listening.